Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the BTOG podcast. My name's Helen McDill, and I'm a respiratory uh, registrar training in the Southwest Peninsula Deanery. And I'm also the respiratory trainee representative on the British Thoracic Oncology Group. So this is part of our regular podcast series entitled BTOG Does, where we have informal chats with experts in their fields and tackle the most important questions we all face in the diagnosis and treatment of thoracic cancers. It's important for me to say at this point that sponsors of BTOG do not have any role whatsoever in the planning, content or delivery of anything discussed today. So today's podcast is entitled BTOG Does Training, um, which is something obviously really close to my heart, being a respiratory uh, trainee and being the trainee representative uh, on the uh, BTOG steering committee. Uh, and it's a real pleasure today to introduce my fellow uh, kind of trainee representative, uh, Dr. Adam Genoweski. Um, I'll just introduce Adam quickly before uh, he, uh, he can kind of say hello. So Adam's now a uh, consultant medical oncologist at, at the Bart's Thoracic Centre. Uh, and as I said, is my fellow trainee representative uh, representing medical oncology. Um, so he is a thoracic oncologist who completed his specialist training uh, as a National Institute for Health research academic clinical fellow at Imperial College uh, and he's got a particular interest in trials and translational research bringing treatments to patients with thoracic cancers. So good morning Adam and welcome to BTOG Does. Thanks uh, uh, Helen, it's uh, lovely to be part of this and it's a really positive thing I think talking about some of the uh, our experiences uh, of training with patients with lung cancer. Yeah absolutely. Um, so I guess to start off with, Adam, um, what, what drew you to thoracic cancers uh, during your kind of time in training as a medical uh, oncologist? So my first kind of exposure to patients with lung cancer was when I was uh, doing my core medical training. I remember doing a rotation in lung cancer and upper GI, actually, and it was a really positive uh, multidisciplinary team that, that, that engaged with uh, the juniors including myself and it was you know harking back to those days it was the first time that the registrar said do you want to do a, an audit with me we're going to do uh, submit something to the VTOL conference and I suppose that was my first exposure of the community of uh, that is the thoracic oncology community and then it just so happened that as uh, as I always wanted to do oncology I went on my first rotation and placement was in uh, lung cancer and thoracic oncology and it was it was there on reflection that I think the the there were three things I think that that drew me to to it as a specialty. One is the patient. The patient is uh, there is the medicine is really interesting. Uh, there's often comorbidities, and therefore each of their treatments are quite nuanced in terms of which which is best for the patient, as well as patients that can be quite unwell. There's the team and the community. I think because our patients are. Uh, complex it requires a number of different team members and there is a really strong community both within the hospitals and further afield and then there's um, the medicines and when I was my first uh, pl uh, placement we only had some first generation EGFR inhibitors and now the medicine and the research has expanded exponentially in a, in a, in a population that is particularly underserved and so that's kind of what excited me about it and why I wanted to go into it in more detail. Uh, how about you, Helen? What, why did you 
uh, decide to go down the route of oncology within respiratory. Um, so I, I think as we were just talking about before we started the podcast, I did oncology as an F2 uh, and really in, enjoyed it um, due to many of the aspects you talked about, particularly kind of the MDT team working. And then when I did uh, respiratory as a core medical training, uh, there were many aspects to kind of respiratory medicine that drew me that ultimately I picked that as a specialty. I think that blend of acutely unwell patients with the outpatient management with the procedural aspect really appealed to, to me as kind of a respiratory trainee. Uh, but I'd always had that interest in l looking after patients um, with with malignancy so I guess that kind of interest sparked then as a respiratory tra trainee um, and I guess similar to kind of the aspects you you outlined really as well primarily uh, kind of number one I really enjoy working with the whole MDT uh, and I think lung cancer really is a specialty within kind of respiratory medicine that encompasses that from our specialist nurses working with yourselves as oncologists the radiologists um, I really enjoy that aspect of team working I guess the second point particularly as a respiratory trainee is that the procedural side we're often kind of uh, involved very early or well, straight away really in that diagnostic pathway um, and I think that's kind of involved as I've been a respiratory trainee so not only doing EBUS uh, plural procedures um, but also doing kind of more physician-led uh, diagnostic procedures such as um, plural biopsies, neck biopsies, uh, lung biopsies as, as well. Uh, that's something I've, I've really uh, enjoyed as, as well um, and I think uh, I guess the, the third reason is partly that diagnostic puzzle uh, as well. Uh, when you see kind of patients and you're working things going out with the medicine and, and the diagnosis and then that interface with the patients and their family you often get um, in kind of thoracic um, malignancy uh, clinics as well. I think something is, um, is really kind of powerful uh, as well. Um, yeah, which... I agree, I agree. I think that there's the part in the pathway that the respiratory um, physicians hold is really important for the patient journey you know they see you 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 work them up with all the investigations it's a really important aspect of the communication skills in terms of breaking the bad news before they come and see us as oncologists and you can really tell i mean i feel very lucky that we have an excellent set of uh, respiratory physicians that are engaged and proactive and as as you just said working with uh, respiratory physicians, I think, compared to many other specialties, I think who are um, respiratory physicians are very proactive and engaged with the oncology pathway, um, and that 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 makes my life and our work much much more easy because by the time the patient comes to see me, they understand they've had you know that 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 journey uh, explained to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that really just encompasses why uh, I think it's so important. And I think, as you said, now kind of. Uh, all the drugs and everything are so exciting our patients are living so much longer so actually I think that collaboration between us as respiratory and oncologists is kind of merging more because our patients need to come back to see I guess me and respiratory for pleural effusion management or they might come into the ward with uh, pneumonitis from their their immunotherapy so for me kind of having those relationships with the MDT and oncologist is, is not just at the beginning now it's to, throughout the patient journey uh, kind of building those relationships so I guess that's why I think it's uh, just a really great subspecialty 
specialty. Yeah, um, I agree. It's like literally, I've got an issue. I pick the phone up to uh, to our spiritual physicians who are really proactive and engaged. And also, I enjoy giving the feedback because I'm sure that you, you know, you know, what well, this patient has a EGFR mutation, the BRF mutation, or they're doing relatively well on this, and you kind of. I imagine that as respiratory physicians, you kind of want to understand, you know, this patient, how they're doing. Oh, yes, actually, this patient's now 18 months down the line, their disease is, in, you know, kind of in remission and they're doing really well. And I'm sure that, and there's that two-way conversation where I have, uh, where the respiratory physicians may call me and say, oh, we've got this really sickly patient. Will you, will you be able to see them quickly so that we can uh, get them on treatment? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think having established that patient journey, it's so nice, like you said, to, to hear that, how, how well they're doing, because things have changed so much uh, in lung cancer treatment now, haven't they? From kind of being with a patient, telling them that awful news and seeing how kind of devastated they and their family are, but then knowing the effects of treatment and hearing how well they're doing down the line is, is, is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose we've diverged slightly from the, yeah. uh, the original topic of training and training around oncology. Uh, but I suppose that's kind of where our experience, because we've been doing it uh, uh, for a few years now. Um, where, how did you, I suppose, develop some of the, the experience that you have uh, in oncology uh, in terms of uh, from a respiratory perspective to get you to this position where you, where you are now, uh, an expert? And, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm an, an expert yet um, but I, th I think kind of clinically through training I just took every opportunity I, I could uh, to get involved in thoracic uh, kind of malignancy so going to as many two-week weight clinics, uh, MDTs, um, working with the specialist nurses um, and then it was really I guess as you already mentioned taking opportunities uh, particularly through BTOG I think that was kind of my first um, thoracic malignancy conference I attended and kind of the first um, place I published uh, an abstract uh, as well so really trying to I guess I got a bit of an initial interest and then I had the opportunity to present an abstract and go to BTOG and that really uh, being when it was uh, kind of face-to-face -face in Dublin really kind of opened my eyes to the whole community that exists at, at, out there in thoracic uh, malignancies and really excited me to kind of keep on wanting to, to do that. Um, so then I felt very inspired to kind of obviously want to go back to BTOG and uh, kind of uh, present further work that I'd, I'd done with, uh, I guess, different respiratory colleagues throughout the, the Southwest and respiratory trainees as, as well. Um, so I think kind of BTOG played a really important part quite early in my career, uh, founding that, that interest. Um, yeah, I mean, it's similar for me, uh, as I said before, you know, when you've got a couple of proactive registrars or consultants that are engaged with the community and they draw you in to say, well, why don't you do this, why don't you do this, um, whether that's through the BTOG conferences or the, the educational days, you know, just getting that better understanding of it because as a, as a junior registrar kind of you know you rabbit in the headlights lots go lots of things going on you know you're trying to get you know some of the basics right and then actually developing that expertise and specialism is it's a tricky one because because you don't put all your eggs in one basket as, a, as an oncologist because often we, we uh, specialize in uh, uh, two uh, specialties for example but i think that over time it kind of develops and so that you know whether there was a case um, a case um, that was 
particularly interesting that needed to be written up or perhaps having a supervisor that's uh, interested in a particular uh, field and actually has some, for example, book chapters or something like that to write. It's helping to develop that kind of experience and depth of knowledge, which, are, which not only is rewarding, actually kind of it, it snowballs because then you become more interested about it and then you kind of, and it goes like that and then you become a consultant and it continues in that fashion. So I think those are, that's, that, that's a, for me, what kind of I've been doing. And I think what has been really useful, I think for, for anyone is actually having a good mentor or supervisor so it can help guide you through guide you through that, telling you, you know, or helping you, whether it's a, a, a mini bit of research, whether it's a little bit of a service evaluation in patients with lung cancer or something like that, that actually starts focusing your mind on, 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 on our patients with, uh, with thoracic malignancies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. It doesn't have to be anything big or, or groundbreaking. I think I always worried quite early on in my training that I, I wasn't having kind of amazing research projects or I hadn't got uh, amazing paper in the high impact uh, journals but it's really about I think you said having a mentor just thinking even about service uh, development ideas uh, that then snowball and then can lead into bigger things and that can be uh, published and presented and those lead on to bigger things as well I certainly know that's how I've kind of sparked my interest and developed uh, things uh, along service development kind of in the diagnostic lung cancer pathway at at the beginning. for you, I, I however know you, you have done quite a lot of, of formal research and academia. How, how have you found that in your training? And I guess how has that played into kind of how you've developed as a thoracic oncologist? Yeah, I mean, I, it was quite early on in terms of, as I said earlier, you know, we had some first generation EGFR inhibitors and I found that fascinating, you know, that we were starting to understand the molecular profiles of patients with lung cancer. And and I think that we're very lucky that we probably lead the way across the oncology field in understanding the molecular profiles. So it's a really exciting field. So I did uh, proactively looked for, I was an academic clinical fellow, so it took some time out to, to want to try and understand some of that uh, better, have a better depth of understanding in that. Um, and so, yes, I went out and I, uh, I, I then started a PhD uh, in genomics of a rare type of lung cancer. And I think sometimes it's not the topic that, that's the, the, the useful bit. Actually, it's allowing yourself to have that time to be able to do that research and that reading and understanding on a, on a, a deeper level, not just, you know, well, these are the protocols, these are the guidelines, this is what we did, but actually understanding why we do those things and how those technologies are used and and why we were finding in Metex and 40 mutations in some technologies, not in, not in others. And it's that time that allows you to then get, you know, to then do other things in terms of whether that's uh, case reports and things like that. Um, and I think it has undoubtedly set me uh, um, in good stead for, 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 for my, in my role as a consultant because I understand it better. And therefore, I think it has a direct translation into the care that I can give my patients. And ultimately, the, the field is changing so quickly with new medicines, with new technologies, that um, that, that is one of the most exciting bits about uh, as a medical oncologist, whether it's a, a new RET inhibitor or whether it's a new, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the other new molecular drivers and which, which one's going to be next and understanding how to access that information and how to 
to use and translate into that patient that's in front of you. Because as I said before, I think our patients with lung cancer, there is so, so, new, so many nuances about them because of their comorbidities, because of their pathology, because of their molecular drivers, because of you know, their performance status. And all of those things together allows you to give a personalized approach to that patient. And that's why I pursued um, a, a higher degree in that. And I think it has definitely um, been a rewarding and important part because, you know, our underserved patients have been, you know, there's not been much, as much research as other tumor types. And therefore it, it is, I think, important to embed some of that uh, research focus and mindset for every kind of interaction and uh, that we that we have uh, as a medical oncologist thinking what's next what's next for this patient in front of you what about you because because you because you also took some time out didn't you as a it's a fellowship um how did you find that and why did you do that yeah you're, you're right so i did a interventional uh fellowship uh kind of uh between st st5 and st6 um and I think I, I wanted some time out, like you said, to kind of explore my thoracic malignancy kind of interest, uh, to have a bit of time to do other uh, projects, research things alongside it as well. I think primarily what, what drove me to, to do it is that I knew I wanted to ultimately subspecialize in lung cancer and kind of diagnostic skills. And I wanted to uh, really enhance my procedural knowledge. So what it gave me is the opportunity, I guess, to kind of come off the, the training ladder a little bit from all those other commitments that we have to do and kind of focus on that. So uh, my job was really set up to kind of getting to two e-bus lists a week. So I've got phenomenal e-bus experience uh, running the kind of plural diagnostic pathway. So developing physician ultrasound skills and kind of in a one-stop shop uh, and doing lots of lung cancer clinics, working with the MDT and also uh, service de development as well. Um, I was doing it as COVID hit. Um, so really it was kind of, we had to think, how, how, how are we going to make sure we don't uh, forget about our lung cancer patients and still diagnose it? So uh, I had the opportunity to kind of help with a lot of service development and remodeling around that, that time as well. Um, and I think my fellowship gave me opportunities to do other things uh, as well. So although I haven't kind of done a formal higher, higher degree, um, it gave me great opportunities to have time to do, I guess, more kind of um, retrospective analysis or observational studies. We did a couple during my fellowship to allow me to go on and, and publish and present those, which has led to opportunities to publish book chapters as well. Um, so I think it gave me a huge amount, amount of opportunities. I think I always worried that I hadn't done formal research, but I feel my fellowship gave me exactly what, what, what I needed in terms of developing my skill set, but also those research critical appraisal skills um, as well, which I think are, are so important. So I'd, I'd really encourage any trainee in respiratory kind of interested in, in subspecializing and in going down that line of doing a, a fellowship as, as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's the, the skills you learn during that time rather than necessarily the topic. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so I guess to kind of uh, bring things back to back to BTOG, uh, that's kind of we obviously both developed a, an interest uh, throughout our registrar training in thoracic malignancy and our paths kind of crossed as BTOG training reps, uh, me for respiratory and yourself for medical oncology. Um, and we've been kind of working on, on things for, for two years now or over two years. Um, what, what do you think our aims were when we set out as trainee representatives and, and what, what do you think we've hopefully achieved during this time? <laughs> well, I think to start with, because we, it, it was new positions and so we, we started off by just trying to understand what the community of trainees need from BTOG. BTOG were forward thinking in terms of thinking, well, actually, let's get more trainees involved. So, you know, we, we obviously formed a survey as well as speaking to other trainees about understanding you know what extra support what can we do for uh, for individuals I mean and, and you know the results of the survey they were they wanted us to uh, better educational opportunities better networking opportunities uh, that those are the kinds of things that we heard um, and I suppose that's where we kind of started as our baseline to to do some of the initiatives that, that we've certainly started, not yet necessarily finished, but will continue. Um, and I guess, would it be helpful just to kind of talk a little bit about those initiatives if people aren't trainee members of BTOG yet, so who are listening in about what hopefully we can offer trainees through BTOG uh, now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the first things uh, that we set up was a, a BTOG trainees uh, journal club, which is about every two months, um, we have an expert as well as trainees all invited to a Zoom call um, where we have a discursive um, uh, discussion, that's the wrong phrase, but uh, where we all talk about a topical or interesting paper with an expert. And it gives a really good in-depth kind of two-way conversation or group conversation about some really um, practice changing. And that's been uh, successful and it's been continuing to run. Um, and I think it's a really proactive thing because sometimes it's not done as well in journal clubs across the country. It's a bit sporadic. So having that, that, that central focus supported by BTOG is good. Um, then, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to echo, I've, I've learned so much from the BTOG journal club uh, in terms of my critical appraisal skills and appreciation for, I guess, translational oncology yeah. research. Uh, so I'd really encourage any uh, trainee to join web, not even if they're not a medical oncologist or a spiritual trainee, yeah. a surgical trainee, just anyone interested. Yeah, it's helped me it. understand something that, that um, screening trials, just like you, I'm sure, uh, understanding some of the interventional kind of uh, uh, drug trials as well. Yeah, um, exactly. And um, then I suppose the other things that we've done um, is we've been we've set up a collaborative uh, networking group on Slack, which I think is a good way of kind of bringing together um, interested trainees to talk about research topics, about you know contact, you know, in terms of supervisors or directing people in way of ways of other specialist interests, um, which seems to be um, which is only new, but it's also developing, and I, I'm sure will continue to develop to hopefully bring people together because I think that's one of the overall aims of BTOG to bring interested individuals together. 
be and hopefully through our kind of training platform on slack we might be able to develop some collaborative working projects in the future but perhaps between trainees and respiratory and medical oncology and pathology i think it's a great opportunity to for trainees to try try and do that um, yeah. and i know the other thing we're, we're working on as well as hopefully uh on the website developing a trainee pacific section with lots and lots of resources for trainees to be able to go to and easily find out about thoracic uh, oncology guidelines um, whether they're revising for exams or just uh, wanting to follow up on what they've seen in clinic that that day so hopefully that will be a resource coming soon as well for for trainees yeah absolutely and it capitalizes on this so much um, educational material that BTOG has done already and was also, you know, organizing whether they're study days, whether they're conferences, whether they're webinars, that actually bringing that all together in a kind of an easily accessible way for trainees um, is, is an important aspect of, of, of moving forward because sometimes there's so much information out there you just don't know where, where to find it best. So hopefully categorizing and making that easily accessible means that it will be useful for, for everyone. Absolutely. And I know both of us are, are coming towards the end of our, our terms as a trainee uh, representatives on the steering committee, sadly. So hopefully there'll be fresh people to kind of develop and continue the work that, that we, we've started uh, here for, for trainees as well. Um, just before we, we finish off, um, I guess, ultimately, how have you found being a, a trainee representative on BTOG? Yeah, I've really uh, enjoyed it. Um, I think there's a, a, a willingness to listen to trainees' views uh, on the executive um, and adapting and changing ways to enable um, us to do the work that we've been doing to try and bring trainees and um, making sure that we've got uh, the next generation of medical oncologists in thoracic, respiratory and across all of the specialties. Um, and having that input, I think, is really important as an organisation because um, the trainees, as we know, train, the trainees are the, uh, are the future and therefore adapting some of the things that, we, that BTOC has been doing for many years to have more trainee focus, I think is really useful. And I think that we've helped uh, do that by having it having uh, that what do you think completely agree um i was speaking to some colleagues respiratory trainees who were thinking about kind of applying for for the position and i said exactly the same i think it's been a fantastic experience because the steering group have been so open to our ideas about how we can enhance uh, trainee representation and what we can do more for trainees because really acknowledging that they're the, the future of, of BTOG and also the management of thoracic malignancies. Um, so I, I, I've really enjoyed it and I've really enjoyed working on all of these projects uh, with yourself uh, as well. And hopefully uh, it's kind of created really great resources for trainees to access in the future and uh, hopefully they'll keep on being developed uh, as well. Yeah, I, I, this is just the start, to be honest. I mean, we've set the foundations. Um, we, we understand where we are. We've done some few things, so I'm sure there's much more to be done. Um, exactly. Yeah. Leaving it in a good place for new, fresh people to continue our, our good work. 
And just finally to finish off, because uh, 20 minutes absolutely flies by, um, you're, you're now on the other side uh, of, of training and you're a, a consultant, medical oncologist at BART. Uh, how, how does it com compare? Oh, the big <laughs> question. Um, I have to say, all the hard work, it's definitely worth it. Worth it. it, it seems like a long journey, but actually... Um, on the other side, it is ultimately uh, really rewarding. Um, it is the patient that is at the centre of all this. The thoracic oncology is so much about the multidisciplinary team and the collaborations that you develop. Um, and it's that team that you work with to care for that, these, these underserved population of patients and the medicines that are changing so quickly. Um, and that every six months we've got a new drug, it's really exciting so those three things the patient the team and the uh, and the new medicines really make uh, my job really uh, enjoyable um, and also rewarding um, it, it keeps you on the board because things are changing all the time and challenging and that's exactly what I wanted um, when I became a consultant and it always seemed like a long journey to get there through different routes and a lot of hard work and actually once you get there I've really enjoyed it and I hope to continue to enjoy it for, for many for many years um but yeah I, I would say to people that are listening that, that that thoracic oncology is unique in many ways um to many others um and those are the three things i think it's the patient you get to know the patients very well because that continuity of care that we are leading the ways in molecular profiling our patients um, and uh, the teams are great, whether that's the local teams, the BTOG teams and the community. We all want to push forward the care for our patients. That was a rather rambly answer, but... <laughs> no, I think that was a perfect answer. It was a very heartfelt, honest answer. And I think shows what sparked your interest at the beginning as a medical oncology trainee and drove you to develop your interest in thoracic uh, malignancy is why you enjoy your job so much now, uh, which I think is really inspiring, hopefully, for, for anyone listening. Um, so thank you so much, Adam, for, for talking to me today. I've really enjoyed um, our, our, our chat um, and hopefully people listening can feel inspired about wanting to pursue interest in thoracic malignancy in medical oncology, in respiratory medicine and many other specialties out there that we've not spoken about to, today as well. Um, so thank you. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, I hope that's given you an insight into what training in respiratory and medical oncology and what we've been doing for BTOG uh, is actually all about. Uh, for more information on BTOG, including educational events that we've talked about for, for trainees, our journal clubs, uh, and most importantly, how to join if you're not a member, uh, visit www.btog.org uh, to, to join and all the information's on there. Thank you very much. Thank you.